Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Hoping you're not buried somewhere in snow today and that you're safe. Um, actually, everyone thinks we get tons of snow here in Pittsburgh. Used to, but uh, we'll probably only get a couple inches. Unlike Philadelphia, that is getting bombed. But hey, hope everyone is safe. And a special shout out to my good friend Yoshiko Dart. Keep leading on, Yoshiko. Well, 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 I have to tell you, I, I was so excited about this show today. You know, even when I think about what I'm doing, it's hard for me to believe, because all I can think about is my husband and I driving to Pittsburgh for years, turning on KDK in the morning, listening to this host, and just, oh my God, I have him like in the highest esteem. So for me to have him on the show with me is such an honor. And that is why I am overwhelmed today to have as my guest the great, the great radio host of the morning show on KDKA for 15 years, the very, very famous Jack Bogut. Welcome to the show. How are you, Joyce? I'm good. How are you today? Well, I'm doing just fine. After that introduction, I had to turn around and see if there was somebody else in the room. (laughs) No, I'm talking about you, and as I said, it is an honor to have you on. Honestly, it just is overwhelming to me because I listened to you for all those years, and I always have been just so in awe of you and your work. So for you to be on my show is such an honor. And let's start by you telling our guest throughout the United States and 12 hours later throughout the world how you became first involved in radio. Well, when I was in college, Joyce, uh, at Western Montana College in Dillon, Montana, it's the University of Montana now, when I was in college... uh, I had a little dance band, and my saxophone player would do anything for money, even work. <laughs> and and, and uh, there was a guy who got a radio station as a wedding present from his father-in-law, and the man had no experience, so consequently he would hire anybody, and he hired my friend. Well, when I heard Tom's voice coming out of the radio in, in my mother's car, I knew that he was instantly famous, and I wanted to go see him. So... I went out, and, you know, Tom was just as confused as I was, but he was employed and I was not. And I said, hey, how do you get a job as a, as a radio announcer? And he said, well, you have to make a tape. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, Here, here's some news. And he said, I'll turn the tape recorder on, and you speak into this thing. It's a microphone. So I did that. And, Joyce, can you remember the first time you heard yourself coming out of a speaker? <laughs> yep. It's kind of a shock to you. It's a shock to your system, isn't it? It is, yes. Yep. So when I heard my voice coming back, I thought, well, this was a nice idea, but there's no future here. Well, the next Monday, I went out to see Tom again, and there's this little bald guy standing there, and he said, hey, who are you? And I said, "Uh, I'm Jack Bogut. And he said, oh, didn't you make a tape? I said, yeah, I did. He said, look, 
I got to have somebody in here next Monday, and I don't have any other options. You want to go to work? And I said, Have you heard the tape? And he said, Yes, I have. <laughs> I said, Is it any good? He says, No, it's just terrible. But you're the only guy I got. <laughs> so that was that was my first job, and uh, we had to read everything. We we played records and we read scripts and read the news, and that was it. There there were no shenanigans, no options. So one day, Coast to Coast Hardware bought the first sponsored newscast on this little radio station, and uh, I was the one elected to do the newscast because I was the only one there. Now, let me set the stage for you, Joyce. The radio station was located in, in a pasture north of, a, of the Club Royal, just out of Dillon, Montana, we had to leave the doors and the windows open because the transmitter got so hot and uh, there was no air conditioning. That's the only, only way we could survive in there. What I didn't know was that the wind blew the gate open in the fence around the radio station. So I'm into this newscast, and, I, and in my most mature, deep voice, I said, and now the news brought to you by Coast to Coast Hardware. And I started to read the news, and I didn't realize that a sheep... Had, wa- had wandered into the radio station and was looking at me. Now, this is an absolutely true story. I looked at the sheep, and it looked at me, and then I looked at the news copy, and I knew that I could not continue with that animal staring at me. So in an effort to be professional but uh, to level with the audience, I said, you won't believe this, but a sheep has wandered into my control room and I've got to get that sheep out of here so I can continue with the news. Well, then I thought, if I get up to get rid of that sheep and just close the microphone, if anybody hears it, particularly the station owner, he'll know that I was not prepared and didn't have the news, and so there's this dead air that I'll have to explain or deal with. So I decided to leave the microphone open, and I got up and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I am now rounding the corner of the console, and I'm going over, and I'm going to get the sheep, and I'm going to throw it out of here. So I clomped as loudly as I could. I grabbed the sheep, threw it out the front door, clomped my way back in, and sat down and said, well, that takes care of that, and tried to read the news and started to giggle. And I don't, I don't mean just a little giggle. This is the snucking, snorting, kind of uncontrolled laughter where I wound up pounding my fist on the tabletop because I just couldn't control it. Then I would shut off the microphone until I composed myself. And then as the minute I turned the microphone back on, I started to laugh again. I never got to the commercial. I never finished the newscast. I just put a record on. And, and collapsed in laughter. Half oh, an hour. Oh, my la- goodness. That I, is such a great story. You know that? Well, no, and in, no, my hang on, mind, hang, in my hang, mind, I'm seeing the whole thing while you're talking. All right, now hang on a second. Half an hour later, I got a telephone call, and I knew that I was fired. And it is indeed the station owner and manager. And he said, uh, Bogut? I don't know what you did during that newscast, but the people down at Coast to Coast Hardware heard it, too. And I'm thinking, I'm fired. And then he said, they thought it was so funny, they wondered if you could do something similar at at the same time during their newscast tomorrow. 
And that was a real epiphany for me. I realized then that you didn't just have to play the records and read what was written. You could be spontaneous and have fun on the air. And if you didn't get fired, people would talk about it and maybe you could prosper. And that was my, that was my, my getting into radio. That is a great story. That is, and you know what, why am I not surprised that that <laughs> would be your story? And by the way, folks, I go out to Montana every year fly fishing, but may I say also to see the wildlife at Yellowstone, and I can just see all that happening. I mean, oh, it yes. is just so beautiful out there. At first I thought you were going to say an elk came in there. No. <laughs> I don't know an elk would have hurt me. Yes, I was going to say, you would not have been able to just throw that elk out of there. That is for sure. So, you then went to KDKA Radio. When was that? How long ago was that? Well, I went from uh, Dillon, Montana to uh, the, uh, I was in the Army Reserve, so I went to boot camp and, and uh the uh, the Army Reserve uh, for six months. Then I came back and went to work in uh, in the state capital of Helena. Then I wound up in Billings, and uh, then from there I wound up in Salt Lake City, and uh, working for the flagship station of the Intermountain Radio Network. And Joyce, you of all people uh, under- understand how it is to do something for the good of a cause. Uh, as opposed to doing it just for personal profit, right? Yep. Yep, otherwise you you, you would not be in your business. Correct. So, that is uh, so true. Uh, yep, uh, I went to work for a, a radio station in Salt Lake City, and uh, an advertising agency representative came around and said, the National Association of Broadcasters Convention is coming to Salt Lake City, and we would like to have you, if you would put together a tape representing all the radio stations in this market. And I said, well, I'll consider it if you'll answer two questions. Number one, is there any money in it? And number two, have you been to everybody else in the market and turned down? And he said, no and yes. (laughs) So I I thought, you know, what the heck? Uh, I'm not doing anything at the moment, and, uh, you know, it'll only take a little work. So I put a, uh, a tape recording together of every station in the market, and I'm working one afternoon, and the station manager came in and he said, Jack, he said, uh, I want to introduce you to Phil Nolan of Westinghouse Broadcasting. He's the national program manager, and he heard your tape and wanted to meet the guy that put it all together. I said, well, hi, Phil. Welcome to Salt Lake City. Hope you have a great time you're here, and went right back to spinning records. What I didn't know was that based on that tape, he, he stayed in town an extra day to listen to me on the air and wound up making me a job offer, and that's how I got to Pittsburgh. Wow. What a great story, and thank goodness that you went and that that happened, or we would not have had you in our world in the greater Pittsburgh was further than that. How, how far out is KDKA? Well, KDKA, KDKA was a 50,000, well, it still is, a 50,000-watt clear channel radio station, and at night, we got around the world. I used to have people listen uh, on, on ships at sea 
and send me letters and things. That uh, Now, this happened at night before the sun came up, because after the sun comes up, uh, the, the rays cut radio waves in half or half again. But uh, at night, when it was dark, we got out all over the world, and uh, during the daytime, we got out all over the country. Wow. Wow, that is amazing. Well, That's I bet you got a lot of people calling you then, Jack. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I used to have relatives in California listen to me. Uh, my brother-in-law in, in Oklahoma City uh, used to listen. You know, there, there were people from all over the country. And, it, you know, it was such an honor to be on KDKA, which started the whole, the, the whole commercial radio business anyway. It was such an honor to be on KDKA. And Joni and the kids and I very quickly grew to love Pittsburgh because it was such a great, kind, Midwestern city. Yes, I love Pittsburgh. I am definitely a Pittsburgher through and through. And here's my question, just as you've already, you know, indicated, you, be, you, you just had an enormous following. Everyone knew Jack Bogut. Everyone knew you. So why do you think that? Why do you think you had such a large following? Well, uh, Joyce, I was the right guy in the right place at the right time. Now, now consider, I'm going to throw some names out here that uh, don't mean all that much now. But uh, we had Bob Prince doing pirate baseball and sports. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, we had mm-hmm. Joe DiNardo doing uh, the weather on, on KDKA in the morning. Uh, we had Ed Chauncey, who could have been a, net, a network newscaster doing, doing the news. There were five pieces already in place, and all of them were network quality. For some odd reason, they, just, they needed one final ingredient. So I became that sixth ingredient that apparently put everything together. And so it was not all me by any, any, any stretch of the imagination. I was just the sixth guy that, that made the wheel roll without bumping along. And, uh, you know, that, uh, in the late 1970s, uh, the morning show on KDKA uh, was the second highest rated morning show in America. Good Morning America came to town and uh, uh, did a, a television pickup in the studio. And USA Today did an article on the top five radio announcers in the country. It was all pretty heady stuff. And the reason it happened, I think, is not only because I was the sixth part in, in, in a six-spoke wheel, but we were broadcasting then instead of narrowcasting. Does that make any sense to you? Yep. Yes, we, it we, does. We just threw the signal out there, and we did the best we could with whatever was happening during the day. Uh, and we, want, we were broadcasting to everybody, young, old, black, white, male, female, agnostics, <laughs> and, and priests. It didn't make any difference. We were just throwing the signal out there. As opposed to narrow casting, which is what radio stations are doing now, they're they're broadcasting. They're they are narrow casting to a specific segment of the audience. So uh, we just threw it out there and hoped that uh, people liked what we were doing. And uh, boy, they they sure did. You know what? You're very modest and very humble. 
But let me tell you, the reason you had that large listening audience is because you're Jack Bogut, and Jack Bogut was just so good and wonderful and someone we all listen to. And that is the reason you had that large following. But right now, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Jack Bogut, radio star, friend of all of us, and we'll be right back with him after the break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, at voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. For those in leadership positions with corporations, governments, nonprofits, and educational institutions, please pay attention. Are you aware that 10 to 15% of your potential clients are unable to use your websites properly? At AudioEye, an advanced technology has been created that eliminates accessibility issues and levels the playing field for all. Make the Internet a meaningful resource for millions of more people. Go to AudioEye.com. More accessible, more usable, more people. Call on AudioEye today. Visit audioi.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Jack Bogut, radio star, and really just a very good man and someone that gives back, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But first, I think someone called into the show. Are you on the show, listener? Yes, I am, Joyce. This is your PR man, Lee Hassinger. Well, hello, Lee. How are you? I'm just fine. Thank you for giving me just a couple minutes to call in. And I want to publicly thank Jack Bogut for um, the many years that he's helped me out. You don't know this, but uh, and your listeners don't, but our history goes back to when I was in the second grade. 
Um, I was uh, at uh, D.T. Watson, home for then crippled children, now D.T. Watson Institute. And uh, they had a KDKA radio day with Jack Bogut there. And I know there's a photo floating around either at my parents' home or, or my apartment with a photo of Jack Bogut holding up a sign with my name among the other classmates in my class. This was in the second grade. So, and then after I graduated from college, um, I pondered the idea of getting into voice uh, overwork for radio and television commercials, um, knew some DJs who helped me put some tapes together with me reading some uh, scripts that I had written over tapes to be distributed for a portfolio, and then I had an informational interview with the American Federation of Television Radio Artists president in Pittsburgh, and make a long story short, of course, I had no money at the time to join the union, but I was given a um, a um, directory of talent names in the Pittsburgh area. Lo and behold, I found Jack Bogut's number and contact information called him out of the blue and explained who I was, and I asked him if he would listen to my tape. He graciously agreed and sent it back to me. And now here we are today with social media, and I asked him again to do us a favor, and he's your guest today because of our connection. So I just want to thank you publicly for your uh, willingness to listen to my tape back then, and thank you for being a part of our lives from uh, our youth on up, Mr. Bogut. Thanks. Oh, Lee, uh, you and I have been friends for such a long time, and you not only do a great job, but, uh, you know, you really stand tall. You always have, in my estimation, and uh, it is just a treat to know you. Well, thank you very much, and I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future. Okay, and Lee, Lee, thank you, because if we didn't have you, I wouldn't have Jack Bogut on. Great (laughs) job, Lee. No problem. Thank you, Joyce. You're welcome. um, We'll be in touch. Okay, you you know what? Lee's very special that we let him call in because we can't have a million people calling in or I won't get to ask you uh, any questions, but we did give him the A-OK because that was his request to call in. Yep, well, he he is a great young guy, and he has done very, very well for himself uh, in in spite of uh, a handicap that uh, really stops a lot of people. Thank yeah, you. not, not him, comment. that's for sure. Thank you, Joyce. Okay, bye, Lee. Bye-bye now. Um, you know what? Probably everyone listening to the show, you can already tell that Jack is like such a great storyteller. I mean, even how he described, you know, the sheep, you know, all of these things. Uh, I mean, he's just a great storyteller. Um, so... Remember I said, folks, that he gives back? We're going to move in that direction right now. Um, So, Jack, how about telling everyone about your charity work with Children's Hospital Campaign of Pittsburgh and also how did that impact you? And may I say before you explain this, forever I will have in my mind 
you know, that uh, in front of horns, KDKA, raising money, and someone going up and giving $10, and then someone going up and giving $5,000, you know, it was just, to me, all about Christmas. Uh, but tell us how this started, and th- then tell us how you think it impacted you and members of your audience. Well, Joyce, uh, that's, that's really a great question, and uh, the most rewarding part of my career as a broadcaster has been uh, the Children's Hospital and the Make-A-Wish Foundation campaigns because, that, uh, well, un- understand this, to put everything in perspective, at the time that I was on KDKA, our children were small and they were growing up. And so I was really a, a stream-of-consciousness father describing what it was like in our family to all those families that were listening at the time. And and that was back. This won't happen again. I'm telling you, it, it does not happen now, and it won't happen again, I don't think. This, this was back when mothers and fathers chose the radio station that the kids listened to in the morning. That ain't happening now. And, and so uh, this was stream of consciousness radio. And when they mentioned Children's Hospital, I'd worked with uh, the Children's Hospital in Salt Lake City. I kind of knew what that was all about. Now, the Pittsburgh Press Old Newsboys used to have prominent businessmen stand on street corners in downtown Pittsburgh and sell newspapers for as much money as they could get. And then all of that excess revenue went to Children's Hospital. KDKA was, do you remember that? Yeah. Okay, KDKA was a part of that. So the first year, we tried to collect money on our own by asking for a penny a month for each member of your family. Now, here, here was the, uh, the, the top ten market in America, the top ten largest market, with the, the number one radio station that started this whole, whole commercial broadcasting thing, and the first year... We collected twelve hundred dollars. I thought, boy, you know that that uh, that's not enough money for the kind of power that this radio station generates. So the next year, I said, hey, uh, rather than give the mailman a hernia by scotch taping pennies to a piece of cardboard and sending them in the mail, why don't you send paper? It weighs a lot less, and you can take care of the whole donation thing right there. Well, that year, we, connect, we collected $12,500. So the next year, uh, somebody says, well, Bogut, what are you going to do next? I said, you know what? I don't have a clue. Well, about that time, I was playing a march for the k- kids to march around the breakfast table and get their breakfast and, and get their day started. And so I, sometimes I would use, you know, hut, hold, three, four, that kind of thing while I played the march. One day, I just, I said, hey, start your heart. Well, then that, that became known as the Start Your Heart March. Now, stay with me for a second. A woman sent me a letter about an article she read in the Denver Post about a Farkleberry Bush Festival in North Dakota. Now, I thought that was really funny because North Dakota is so flat, the state tree is a telephone pole. <laughs> So for them to have a Farkleberry Bush Festival, first of all, the Farkleberry is a kind of a funny word, right? 
Yeah. And to, ha- and to have a festival like that, well, I thought was hilarious. So, because this is Stream of Consciousness Radio, one morning I said, Hey, time to start your heart, eat a sparkleberry tart, and tear the world apart. Well, I thought, man, I have stood close to a verbal disaster there. Oh. <laughs> I, I'd better be careful about how I say that. So, Yeah, that, that could have been quite a thing you were saying on the air. Uh-huh. So that was the year I suggested that we go into one of the department store windows and broadcast and actually meet our listeners on the street and allow them to donate money into a special collection barrel. And it seemed like a lot of fun to uh, ask people to say, start your heart, eat a Farkleberry tart, and tear the world apart, because we were serving (laughs) Farkleberry tarts at that time. So one morning, a lady came down. Now, the deal was you could buy one second for $100, up to a maximum of five seconds. And in that five seconds, you had to say, without making a mistake, start your heart, eat a Farkleberry tart, and tear the world apart. This lady showed up, and, you know, I kept the clock. Uh, nobody ever made it on time. And, and you know, we were, we were wheedling people out of their money, and they didn't care because it was for such a good cause, and it was all tongue-in-cheek. Well, a lady from the Derry Area School District showed up, and she said, Jack, I have $500. Yep. I have $500, and I want five seconds. Okay. And she said, and I want that prize you're talking about for anybody that can say it. And the prize was, the prize was an after-dinner set from the Joseph Horn Company. So she said, and I brought my own timekeeper. Oh, well, now I'm in a little bit of trouble because I'm not keeping the clock. So I said, uh, okay, go ahead. And uh, it said, you, this is what you have to say. Start your heart, she nodded her head. Eat a Farkleberry tart, she nodded her head. And tear the world apart, and she nodded her head again. And then I said, in Swahili. <laughs> now, she, Joe, she, 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 I'm, uh, I thought we got cut off, cut off there for just a second, but she, she nodded her head again. I'm thinking she's nodding her head in Swahili. So... She said, and her timekeeper punched the clock after they put $500 in the barrel, start your heart, eat a Farkleberry tart, and tear the world apart in Swahili. No. Yes. And so she got me. I mean, I thought this was a joke. Well, no. it was a joke on your part. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Like, what did you do? You must have been floored. Well, uh, she said, uh, now where's my after-dinner set from the Joseph Horn Company? So I reached, reached down and I gave her a box of toothpicks, and she was underwhelmed. <laughs> and then what happened? Well, that led on to, to other people trying to say it. One of the guys on the air said, Jack, he said, I, I live for the day I hear you say Tarkleberry. Mm. <laughs> But other Joyce, other things happened during that children's hospital campaign. And By the, the magic, way, excuse me, I remember you saying this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, those, and uh, you know, uh, Jim Delegati of uh, McDonald's restaurants, the inventor of the Big Mac, was the guy who came up with the Farkleberry tarts and Farkleberry brew and snickerdoodles and ding-dongs and all of that stuff over the years. No but, kidding. Yeah. 
But one of the most meaningful things, uh, in fact, uh, this was an epiphany for me. This really changed my life, and I think my attitude toward broadcasting was one day in front of the Joseph Horn Company, a group of people, a group of kids showed up from the Sunrise School, a young lady named Kathy Recavena, I will never forget her name. Kathy Recavena said, Jack, these kids are here from Sunrise School, and they were, these were profoundly handicapped kids uh, in wheelchairs and on gurneys. And so I was on the outside talking to the people, as I usually did. And so I walked over to the first young guy, and I said, uh, well, welcome, everybody, to, for Sunrise School, and who are you, son? And he had a name tag on, and I think his name was Bobby. And I said, how are you doing, Bobby? And he could not, he could not express himself in intelligible speech. He just kind of, he, he, Joyce, he, he, he said something I couldn't understand. Right. And I, was, and I was really uncomfortable. So I said, well... It's nice to have you here, Bobby, and I went on to the next one, and he also could not speak very well. And finally, I just said, hey, all you kids from Sunrise School, welcome, hope you have a great Christmas, and I went on with the broadcast, and after that show that day, I was severely ashamed of myself. So I called Kathy Recavena back, and I said, Kathy, I owe you a big apology. I said, I was not fair to those kids simply because I was uncomfortable and didn't know what to say or how to treat them. And I said, I apologize to you, and I want you to bring the kids back again. And there was a pause on the phone, and she said, are you sure you want me to do that? And I said, I am absolutely sure. So she brought the same kids back again, and, and I requested that there be a translator with each one of the kids who, if they were unable to express themselves in language we could all understand, would interpret what the kids were trying to say. And I walked up to the first kid, Bobby, and I said, Bobby, nice to see you again, buddy. How are you doing? And he nodded his head and said something I didn't understand. But his translator said, Bobby is really happy to be here, although he's cold. And, and uh, then Bobby said something else again, and, and I said, and what does Bobby mean? She said, he wants to say hi to Grandma and Grandpa and Mom and Dad and all of his buddies at school and Merry Christmas to all the kids at Children's Hospital. And I went down the line to each one of these kids, and if they could not speak, the translator spoke for them, and people called me and said they had to pull off to the side of the road in tears because they were so overcome with the moment. And I, what I learned that day was that everybody deserves to be wherever they want to be, and everybody deserves a voice. And 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 that it, Joyce, it changed my life uh, about Children's Hospital and later on the Make a Wish broadcast and my attitude toward broadcasting in general. We must we must be useful, and we must give other people the opportunity to be themselves. Wow. What a story. So that's then how this all started. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the, the story just went on and on. <laughs> the, 
the kids came down. Well, let me digress here a little bit. Not not only did we have kids singing Christmas carols and and wheedling money out of their parents and grandparents and friends and neighbors, we had the guys that worked uh, for the mills at U.S. Steel and Jones and Laughlin and all of the other steel companies around. And one day, the guys from uh, the American Bridge Division of the United States Steel in Ambridge came down with $50,000 in cash. Wow. And put it all in the barrel. They were so proud, and they threw down the gauntlet to every other mill and every other union organization in the area to do better than they did. And these guys came down, and it was a giant party because they were so happy and so proud of themselves. And this this broadcast allowed them to find the best within themselves and do something great for somebody else. It was absolutely awesome. And I have to say to all of you listening, I cannot begin to tell you how wonderful this whole thing was. I mean, it was just so wonderful. Every year, and, you know, down there with coffee and with all these people going through the line and donating a lot of money, donating some money to get their prize possession, the Farkleberry cookie. Uh, and I just want to tell you that it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. It, it really was. It was a wonderful thing, and I think it impacted a lot of people. Um, and then, oh, my goodness, you went... Uh, after leaving KDKA, you went to Wish 99.7, and then you got involved with Make-A-Wish. So we're going from one impact for you to another. How did you get involved with Make-A-Wish? Well, uh, a wonderful person named Michelle Atkins was the executive director of uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which was relatively new then. And uh, she went to the owner of Wish 99.7 FM, and she said, you know, your call letter call letter, just fit what we are doing. And she said, uh, I'm wondering if, uh, if you would let Jack do the same kind of a broadcast for the Make-A-Wish Foundation on your radio station that he did for Children's Hospital on that other radio station. <laughs> and, uh, and Tony Randa, the owner, said, yes. He said, absolutely. And so we started doing the same thing in uh, uh, the Saks Fifth Avenue window on, on uh, Smithfield Street in downtown Pittsburgh. And uh, people showed up for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and uh, donated money. And uh, we raised millions of dollars over the... Well, wait a minute. When I say we, uh, I did not raise this money. We created a mechanism through which people could be at their best and collect money to fund these wishes for kids with a life-threatening illness. And uh, I want to tell you one quick story here. A young lady named Angela uh, was about five years old, and she had uh, histiocytosis X, which is... Uh, that's a rare disease that's treated with massive doses of steroids, and it can be fatal. It is life-threatening. And uh, because of the steroids, uh, she had, Angela had kind of a pear-shaped body and a pear-shaped face, but a real sweetheart. And her wish was to go to uh, Disney World in Florida. 
So the family was picked up in a limo and put in on an airplane, uh, first class, flown down, put in a condominium. And uh, for one week, Angela and her family could not spend any of their own money. They could do everything and anything they wanted. And uh, one Friday of that week came, uh, Angela was really tired, but they were reliving all of the great things they did. And then Angela said quietly, but I didn't get to see Snow White. And the family oh. said, the family said, oh, honey, uh, you saw everything else. And she said, but the only reason I came down here was to see Snow White. Oh. And now the family is devastated because they're only passengers on this cruise, right? This is Angela's wish. So they, they called Make-A-Wish in Pittsburgh and uh, Make-A-Wish here called Disney and said, could you send Snow White to Angela's room? And they said, you know, we'll do anything for these wonderful kids, but we can't send characters out in public w- without a massive interruption and security and all kinds of stuff. But what we will do is we will put a wheelchair on Main Street, USA. We will transport Angela down to that wheelchair so that she can sit there close to the electric light parade. We'll have a place for her family to be, all reserved. And Angela will see Snow White on the float as she goes by. Would that be okay? And so they talked to Angela, and she said, okay. Well, they went down and stood there on Main Street, and Angela could not sit down. She was too excited, and she kept looking up the street and literally saw none of the parade. She was waiting to see that float with Snow White and the seven dwarfs on it. Pretty soon, she pulled on her mother's skirt and said, Mommy, here she comes. And as Snow White and the seven dwarfs on this float got closer and closer, Angela got more and more excited. And when the float got right in front of Angela's family, Snow White held up her magic wand and stopped the parade in front of and behind her float. And then she got down off her float and walked over to Angela, and she bent over and said, Hi, are you Angela? Uh Uh-huh. Did you come all the way down here just to see me? Uh Uh-huh. Would you like to ride in the parade with me? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Oh. And so she, she took Angela by the hand and led her up on the float, and Angela and Snow White, surrounded by seven dancing dwarves, disappeared into the distance in this electric light parade. Now, can you imagine the kind of trust the family had to have to see their daughter disappear in the distance, right? But the next morning on the plane ride home, Angela turned to her mother, and she said, Mommy... If Snow White could find me and all those people, I can get better. Well, about four years ago, I got a letter from Angela's mother, and she said that Angela was in total remission, the histiocytosis X was completely gone, and Angela was getting married. Oh, my God, that is such a great story. Now, the, uh, you have to understand, the Make-A-Wish Foundation does not create miracles, but they create mechanism, mechanisms through which miracles sometimes happen because of the generosity and the kindness and consideration of other people. And that's what, that's what broadcasting can do. 
Hey, I, I bet there are a lot of people right now listening to this show that are having that same reaction you talked about before where they're having to grab their Kleenex. That is such a great story. I mean, that is just a great, a wonderful story. And by the way, I have two requests. How can it be possible we're soon going to be at the end of this show? So here are my two requests. Number one, tell everyone where you are right now, what you're doing right now. Okay, well, I'm in my recording studio at home, in my home. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here uh, having a great time telling stories to you and and your audience. No, I mean... (laughs) I mean... Oh. You're on the air again. Okay, And 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 I'm assuming you don't have a sheep there, right? No. <laughs> don't, no don't, need one, don't need one anymore. Yeah. I've, okay. I've, Tell, uh, you're back at KDKA, so how do people get to hear? How do they get to hear? When is it on? You know, yeah, I'm, let's I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing 90-second features on KDKA daily, Monday through Friday, that are on at uh, 4.30 in the morning, 5.20 in the afternoon, and uh, 9.20 at night. And, uh, you know, after all of those years, 38 years being gone from KDA to, to be invited back again uh, was not only nice, but it just goes to show you that uh, you should not burn bridges. Yeah, right. Ah. Right. Now, now for my second request, I want to have you back on again because there's so much more we have to talk about. So is that a deal? That's a deal. I would be absolutely delighted because, uh, Joyce, you do so much good in the world. Uh, when you started your organization back in ni- 1988, was it? 95. 90- 1995, you had no idea that you would be where you are today, correct? Correct. That's right. And, and you yep. did it by, by, by breaking some well-known rules and doing things that nobody else had done before and creating opportunities that simply would not be there without you. So I would be honored to come back on the air with you. Well, I want to have you backlight. You're so good. You're such a great storyteller, and it's such a thrill. You know, i got to tell you, we've had a lot of big-name, famous people on here, but I was the most excited today about having you on. I really appreciate that. I'm honored. Oh, well, I'm honored. I'm honored to have you on. And, hey, listeners, we're going to have him on again. Everyone <laughs> hear me? We're going to have him on again. And before we go, you know, we end every show with a quote. And today that quote is, and, boy, it just seems this is so appropriate, the quality Not the longevity of one's life is what is important, said Martin Luther King, Jr. And, Jack, that's you. That's you. It's your quality. Um, And thank you again. Thank you again. And, folks, he'll be back. We'll have him back on again uh, so we can talk about Montana and other stories you have about other work you're doing and uh, just just so many things. What is your website, just so people can go? Okay, yeah, StorytellerJack.com. StorytellerJack.com. Well, Storyteller Jack, 
Thank you so much for being with us. We'll look forward to having you on again soon. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.